erectile dysfunction for most men is an issue with circulation. 90% of men, it's an issue with circulation. Okay. So what are the things you can do to improve circulation? First of all, exercise. Second of all, eat better. Third of all, take a nitric oxide booster, right? Nitric oxide boosters improve circulation, improve blood pressure. I have a nitric oxide booster called Affirm from Affirm Science, but it's a super simple thing to do. You lose nighttime erections, take a nitric oxide booster before you go to sleep. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. Today, it's exciting. I had a lot of fun on this interview. Dr. Judson Brandeis. He is a pretty amazing guy, and we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about sex, muscle building, erectile dysfunction, all having to do with the man, you know? And we're going to talk about relationships, and we're going to talk about personal development. We're going to talk about being invincible when you're younger, and we're going to talk about uh, sharing your failures with your kids. And we're going to, I mean, there's so much that we talk about. And we also talk about taking action and being accountable. Because one of the biggest things that guys talk to me about is, is they say to me, hey, man, I want to get in your program. I want you to coach me. I want to join your mastermind. I want to join your front runner events. And we say, cool. And the only question we have is not, are you willing to pay the money, but are you willing to do the work? And that's one of the big things we talk about. And that's the, that's the intro clip here is I'm not your mom. I'm not your dad. I can provide you with all the tools and resources possible. However, if you don't want to do the work, if what's at stake is not big enough, right? If you don't have enough pain in your life to make those changes and make them last, then there's not much that we can do for you. And there's not much that anybody can do. And, and Dr. Dr. Justin, he, he talks about that too. You can give a, a man this comprehensive uh, health plan, but if he doesn't follow it, if he doesn't take action on it, what good is it? So we're going to get really deep into that too. This is a really great episode. You guys are going to love it. Uh, before I tell you about Dr. Dr. Uh, Judson and his, his, his extremely impressive resume, remember, you're listening to one of two free resources that we have. The podcast is a free resource. You get tons of content. There's, there's a lot of episodes. Don't just listen to this one. Go back and listen to a ton of them. There's a lot of great stuff. Remember, I am extremely purposeful. This isn't men on occasionally purposeful. This isn't men on accident. This is men on purpose. So I don't put people on this podcast that aren't going to be awesome, that aren't going to give you the information that you guys have asked for. So just trust that. Go back and just see what, 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 what uh, um, line catches you or, or the, you know, the, the name of the episode, which one catches you and click on it and then get a pen and paper and take some notes. Because look, at the end of the day, if you're just listening, that's totally fine. But there are these guys that we're interviewing, they are giving some amazing information. And there are patterns in their information that apply to your life. Match up their info with the patterns in your life. And you may have a formula and you got it for free just listening to something. That's freaking cool. The other free resource is the Mental Purpose community on Facebook. It's growing like crazy. We are experiencing a lot of growth and we are super grateful about that. Super happy about it. And if you haven't already, just take action. If you're on purpose, take action. Go to Facebook, type in the mental purpose community, click join, put your email address in. I'm not going to spam you. We're just going to let you know cool stuff that we've got going on. Retreats and classes and different stuff on the, on the free community. Um, you know, and, and, and if you're going to join the community, be a part of it because there are amazing men in there. They're doing extraordinary things on purpose and they could help you. 
and your sharing helps other people out way more than you think it does. It's going to leave it there. All right. So Dr. Judson Brandeis is an award-winning urologist, sexual medicine expert, clinical researcher, physician educator, and a clearing clinician and surgeon. He's a graduate of Brown University and Vanderbilt University School of Medicine, uh, surgery residency at UCLA, and postdoc fellowship at Harvard. Today, he specializes in the emerging field of sexual health and medicine, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But we're also going to be talking about the human within that. A lot of times he talks about it and says, you know, it's not about prescribing a medicine. It's about treating the entire human and the stuff in their relationships and their past, just like we do. So we're super aligned with Dr. Brandeis and what he's doing for men out there. So let me keep, let me keep telling you a little bit more. His resume is huge. <laughs> Over the course of his 25-year career as a board-certified urologist, he has performed thousands of surgeries and pioneered surgical robotics. In February of 2019, he opened Brandeis MD, a national leader in technology and sexual medicine innovations for men. Brandeis MD engages in ongoing clinical research to improve well-being and provide tools for men to live their best lives, kind of like we're doing, just not in that aspect, right? Look, I could go on and on about Dr. Brandeis. He is impressive. He's an extraordinary guy. We was fun. We had a lot of fun in this interview. You guys are going to have a lot of fun listening to it. As always, we appreciate you. We thank you for listening. We thank you for supporting our mission, the movement we're creating with the mental purpose community. Go join the mental purpose community and enjoy this episode. All right, Justin, welcome to the podcast, man. We, um, we probably could have filled up an hour just doing a just pre-work. And just, just the pre-work, huh? Just the pre-work. So let's, uh, obviously, now we're on record. Let's get some stuff out, some value to these guys listening. Um, I mean, you are an expert in a lot of fields. So I want to go back for a second before we get into that. And I want to talk about your, your early stuff and some of the challenges you might have faced that a lot of these guys might be facing too. And the reason why I want to do that is because these guys are going to look at your credentials and say, that guy never dealt with the stuff I deal with. And that's completely not true. You know what I mean? Like you're still a human. You're still a guy. You still deal with stuff that every human deals with, even though there's some plaques on your wall that say you have some degrees and some certifications. And I want to make sure that these guys know they're not alone. No matter what, no matter what you have, what you do or how, how you've reached, you still deal with stuff every day. Oh yeah. It, that, that, it hits the fan for everyone. Yeah. So it, it, for me, it hit the fan when I was 50. So, 50. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I worked, I've, I've been a hard worker and a smart guy all my life. So, uh, you know, I went through high school and, and I went to Brown university for college and I was an athlete. I ran track and cross country and did triathlons. And then I went to Vanderbilt for medical school. And then I did a year of research sponsored by the Howard Hughes medical Institute. Uh, at Harvard Medical School. And then I went to UCLA for residency. So one of the top surgery and urology residencies. Then I moved up to Northern California. Uh, I got a great job at a, a premier urology practice and worked my way up. And I was the chief of urology at the local hospital for, for 10 years and the chief of urology for the local HMO for 10 years. And I was voted the top urologist in the San Francisco Bay Area for the past seven or eight years. Nice. But when I was about 50, I became really interested in regenerative urology. So guys getting erectile dysfunction, you can take pills, which will help you. But as soon as that pill wears off, the erection goes away. 
And so is there anything that we could do that would more permanent? And there was a technique came out called gains wave or low intensity shockwave therapy that actually helped grow new blood vessels. And then also some regenerative techniques called PRP or platelet rich plasma or the P shot and the stem cells. And so I became really interested in like, how can we actually turn back time? And so I became interested in that. And my partners became interested in selling themselves to the hospital. So being a doctor and running a practice is really tough. Uh, yeah. I kind of have a, 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 an acumen for business uh, and I didn't mind running the practice, but I didn't want to support the whole practice and do all the work myself. Uh, and my partners really weren't willing to chip in. And at the same time, I was trying to build this private uh, pay erectile dysfunction clinic. Uh, and to make a really, really long story short, my partners rewarded me by when I showed up to work one day, giving me a piece of paper saying that you're fired. Oh, interesting. You know, wow. it's the only job I'd ever had. Uh, yeah. I thought I was a partner, but legally we were shareholders and employees. And oh. one day I just found myself without a job. How long and were so you there? I was there for 20 years. Oh, wow. You know, so I was the shock. most, yeah. I mean, I was the most recognizable person in the place. You know, most people referred to it as, you know, Dr. Brandeis's practice. Um, yeah. You know, when you looked at the Google analytics of who got searched the most, you know, I got searched more than all my other partners combined. Yeah. Um, but what did that do to you as a human? Oh man. Insecurity, you know, depression, like anxiety. Well, you know, so, uh, one day I was in total disbelief. The next day I was really, really angry. Yeah. And then my stress response is to work. Yeah. And uh, I could have worked for Kaiser, but I didn't want to work for Kaiser. I'm not really a, the kind of person that likes working for other people and urology jobs, you know, there may be a handful in, in, in a metropolitan area. It's not, you know, sure. it's not like primary care where there's tons of them. Um, yeah. I could have moved to another place, but my kids were happy in school. I have four kids. Uh, they're teenagers. So they're in you know high school and junior high school. Um, yeah. And so I had to basically, reinvent myself and really in, invent uh, a specialty for myself, which was regenerative urology and erectile dysfunction. And it was a brutal two or three years of creating something out of nothing, yeah. um, starting a practice out of nothing, um, doing clinical research, uh, writing a book, The 21st Century Man, which is the, the most comprehensive and medically accurate book ever written on men's health. Uh, now I speak for BTL, which makes the M-Sculpt and M-Cella devices, which uh, I recently oh, yeah. presented papers on M-Cella showing that it's the first device ever to improve the intensity and duration of male orgasm. Oh, wow. Right? So I'm not curing cancer, but you know, maybe orgasms are second fun. place. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what, were you, um, what was your biggest fear when you went through that? You went home... And you started to think, man, I, I got I to gotta work. Because most guys will consume themselves in work to avoid the pain and the stress and the stuff that they feel inside. But what were your fears at that point? Was it inadequacy? Was it letting my family down? Like, what was it? Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you feel like you're going to let your family down, your kids down, your wife down. You know, maybe I'm not good at, as good as I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting. I talked to... Um, 
my father-in-law who, his story is in the book. Uh, there's a, the first chapter is on the hero's journey. And I talk about the immigrant hero's journey. You know, he came to this country with $6 in 1967 uh, from India, came to Kansas, right? So talking about, you know, strange, strange culture shock. And, uh, and I asked him, I was like, you know, did you have any, any self-doubt, any, any um, trepidation? And he basically said, you know, listen, I never thought about failing. Like I had no, I couldn't fail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I had a, a, one of my favorite patients, uh, Dean Laird, um, who passed away recently, but at the age of 96, but he was the only fighter pilot in world war II to have shot down both a German and a Japanese fighter plane. Oh, just a crazy. total badass. And his, his family yeah. gave me this amazing picture of him in his plane on the flight deck of an air aircraft carrier. And I asked him one time when he was in my office, I said, you know, what were you thinking on the flight deck? And he said, you know, a lot of guys were really scared. He said, I thought I was invincible. He <laughs> said, I didn't think anyone could ever put a bullet in my plane. And he said, no one ever did. He said, I got hit by anti-aircraft fire from the, from the ground, but no yeah. other pilot ever put a bullet in my plane. And so, you know, I didn't really have time to, to bemoan my fate. You know, I turned around and I sued my ex-partners in two separate lawsuits, which fortunately after two years, I won. Um, yeah. But it was just, uh, it was just a brutal time in my life. That was my hero's journey. You know, all along, I followed the, the path that, you know, yes. a lot of people do. Okay. You go to college, then you go to medical school, then you go to residency, then you get a job. You know, it's, it's not that it's cushy. It's not that you don't work hard, but it's, it doesn't involve personal creativity or risk, uh, ambition, uh, and being fired just unceremoniously. Uh, you know, I know my partners even had the courtesy or the courage to, to hand me the note, you know, they gave it to the human resource director. Uh, yeah. Uh, or even have a conversation with you at the no, very least. Like, no. Hey man, you've been here for 20 years. We love you. And this is time to like, I mean, there was a lot that, that led up to it, but, um, sure. But to make a long story short, that, that, that's really what happened. And so, you know, the, my hero's journey was really picking myself up from being knocked down, thinking that, you know, I was indispensable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, two days after they finally paid me my, what they owed me for the lawsuit, they announced the merger with the hospital. Hmm. Um, but I, I'm just not the kind of person that likes to work for other people. You know, I'm too driven and creative. Uh, sure. To do that. Did that, uh, do you ever look back on that and go, man, I'm so thankful, so grateful those guys fired me. It was hard in the beginning, but man, I'm so grateful that they made that decision for me. If they hadn't have made that decision, did you have any plans on leaving? Well, you know, I mean, if, if they hadn't fired me, then I probably would be working for the hospital and I would That's what probably I mean. be doing things so in the hospital. Own. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and when, when it happened, I knew it was sort of inevitable. We were parting ways, but it just happened in a very unpleasant, acrimonious sure. way. And, uh, and it was abrupt. So it was, was abrupt. And, but, you know, it just it gave me a lot of energy. You know, sometimes people are in their early 50s and they're, they're looking to be really comfortable in their career and just kind of yeah. coast. Um, and I did the absolute opposite of coasting. <laughs> you know, now I have to learn how to kind of slow it back down and, and, sure. and 
kind of get back to a, a somewhat normal life. But, you know, during COVID, it's hard to, <laughs> to live a normal life. And, you know, the, the practice was just starting to pick up and then COVID hit. And then I was off for three months and I said, you know what? Yeah. I need to write a book. I need to do something. And so the 21st century man sort of came out of my medical practice, which is taking care of men. And men come to see me when they're ready for a change in their life, whether they're in their 40s or 50s or 60s, you know, something is not working physically, whether it's erectile dysfunction or losing muscle or too much fat or just a general sense of malaise because their testosterone's declined. And I've really become an expert in understanding these processes in men and understanding how to turn them around both physiologically and psychologically. Yeah. Which is a very parallel journey to what we're on. Men come to us when they're ready to make changes in their lives, when they're tired of living the same uh, fantasy that never comes true, you know, about their life one day, it'll be better when they are tired of the relationship they're in with themselves or with their partner or with their children. And they really know Well, they didn't know and they quickly find out that they must make changes in them in order for those things to change. Mm -hmm. And so they come to both of us when they're actually ready to change their life. And that's really cool. It's, I I love that you said that because it's, it's true. If they're, I mean, and look, there are a lot of men out there that, that like to complain about their situation, but they don't want to do anything about it. And that's fine. They're not for guys like you or, or me. And for our organizations or our missions. Yeah. I mean, I, I sit down with my patients and, and we have a lot of sophisticated analytics that we do in the office. Um, and, and I chart out a plan, you know, a, a physical rejuvenation plan for my patients. And then I look them in the eye and say, listen, you know, I, I can't go home with you. I'm not your mom. Uh, right. it, whether you succeed in this or not is entirely up to you. I got more than my fair share of problems that I got to deal with. I can't deal with your problems. I can, I can give you a path that if you follow this path, I have hundreds of men that have succeeded wildly uh, on this path, you know, and everything that I've, that I'm showing you is, is, is proven is factual. I have all these fancy diplomas up on the wall, but in the end, you know, you're on your own hero's journey. And, and that motivation and determination has to come from you. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And that's yeah. going to be the, that's going to be the clip that we start with because that's what guys need to hear. Yeah. I can give you everything in the world. I can give you every freaking resource. I can show you every diploma. I could have an entire office covered in diplomas. You can't even see drywall. I'm, I got so many diplomas. <laughs> I can't do the work for you though. Yeah. I can't do it for you. And this, this is some of the change that a lot of guys, they, they go through this uh, almost like a grief period where personal accountability and responsibility has been absent, mainly except for their, their professional lives. But their personal lives, if they ran them like their professional lives, they'd be great, but they don't. And they're, they're like totally juxtaposed in these two opposite worlds. And that's the piece is you can come and you can buy coaching for me. You can come to you and get a whole write-up and a whole plan and pay for that. However, if you don't do the work or if you're not motivated, like not enough's at stake. And that's the big thing that, that I want to talk about um, or ask you about is what's at stake for your guys? Is it death? Is it sexual performance? Is it all the stuff in between? 
Because there's something that motivates these guys to get into action. Yeah. Well, you know, it, there's uh, like, you know, that Maslow's pyramid. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, food and survival and protection is at the bottom and, you know, total enlightenment is the top. I kind of have a Maslow's pyramid. I've, I've never actually put it down on paper for, for a midlife man. And at the very top is, you know, physical intimacy with their spouse. Hmm. Right. So, and the bottom is, you know, physical performance. So if you're not, if you're out of shape and if you're putting on fat, if you're not building muscle, uh, you're going to lose your ability to get an erection. If your mental health isn't strong, if your relationships aren't strong, and if all those things are strong and everything's going well, then, you know, you'll have a good um, sexual relationship or intimate relationship with your spouse. And so that's, you know, that's where things build up to. I, I, I'm still looking for a cartoonist to build a, uh, to, to create a, an illustration for me, looking up a guy's penis and seeing like his whole life, because that's yeah. what, that's the genesis of the 21st century man is seeing guys for erectile dysfunction and realizing that uh, they're not going to have sex or they're not going to want physical intimacy unless all the other aspects of their life are working. You know, if there's cardiovascular disease, if there's cancer, if there's stroke, if there's diabetes, if there's uh, accidents, there's infectious disease, if there's depression, anxiety, problems with work-life balance, you know, all of these things, if they're out of balance, it affects a guy's ability to be physically intimate. And so I have to address or solve all those problems to get a guy to that point. Like something as simple as sleep, right? Yeah. If you don't sleep well, if you have sleep apnea, then you don't have REM sleep. If you don't have REM sleep, you don't get nighttime erections. If you don't have nighttime erections, then guess what? You get erectile dysfunction. Hmm. Right. So I had a patient. Yeah. Yeah. I I shouldn't ask you if that's true. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I've never heard of that before. So, So, you know, so one, one amazing tip for your, your folks out there, right? Yeah. When you're 20, did you get a uh, erection every morning? Of course. Yeah, of course. Right. But in your forties, do you get erections every morning? Probably not. I mean, I do. Okay. I'm not when 40 you, though. I'm 39. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, in your forties or maybe your fifties, you won't get erections every, every morning. That's the first indication <laughs> that the blood vessels to the penis, which are some of the smaller blood vessels in your body, one or two millimeters are beginning to yep. get clogged. Right. And that wow. precedes erectile dysfunction by about 10 years. And erectile dysfunction precedes cardiovascular disease by about 10 years, hmm. right? So yeah. you, if your morning erections are going away, you know, the morning glory is not there anymore. You have a 20 year warning that you're going to get cardiovascular disease. Wow. Never heard of that. I've never heard it put like that. Wow. You know, and you, and the book is loaded with all sorts of stuff to help you understand how to make changes, how to make changes in eating, how to make changes in exercising, stretching, yoga, mindfulness, meditation, uh, relationships. You know, relationships are such an important part of life. There was a, the, have you heard of the Harvard longevity study? Yes. Yeah. So um, the main result from the Harvard longevity study, which is a study where they followed men and their families for 75 years, 
was that yeah. the quality of your relationships and mental health was the most important factor predicting a happy and healthy life. More important than, you know, taking an aspirin a day or eating well or exercising every day or um, your prostate health or anything else. It was the quality of your relationships. I love that, man. It's, you know, I also want to uh, uh, just give you some gratitude because there are so many doctors out there. And when a guy comes in and says, I can't get an erection anymore, or I'm having a lot of trouble keeping an erection or something like that. And the doctor says, here you go. Writes down a script, pops you a couple of blue pills and you're band-aiding a problem. And like we talked about in the beginning, um, actually it was before we started recording. One of the things that, that we've found in the area of, of personal performance, personal development, overall evolvement of men, humans in general, but men specifically because of this program, uh, they are not one section of the pie. Can't solve one section. It's okay. Other personal development courses, they take care of one section. Hey, mm -hmm. meditate, journal, do this, get your finances in order or whatever, but you're missing the entire roots of the tree. You're missing the entire foundational elements. So you're building a building on sand. Now the tallest building in the world is built on sand, the Burj Al Arab in Dubai. However, the way that it's built on sand is with a really solid foundation underneath of it of pillars. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the fact that you're doing that is awesome. Probably a lot more work for you because you've got to adjust the entire human. And I think absolutely responsible and needed. Now, does it make the other doctors out there that are writing pill prescriptions irresponsible? No. I just think if you want to serve somebody at the highest level, you've got to look at the entire human. Mental health, yeah. emotional health, physical health. You've got to look at their relationships. You've got to look at their past, their traumas. You have to look at all of that because- other than that, you, you're just solving the surface level issues and yeah. the depth will just surface back again. Absolutely. Well, there, you know, there's a critical chapter in the 21st century man, which is how to form a partnership with your doctor. You know, like we talked about, I'm a kind of doctor. I don't exist on like the top of a mountain and, and send edicts down to my patients. I, I work with my patients as partners. And, yeah. but you have to understand like you have to understand things from a doctor standpoint. There was a study by Cerner. It's a big electronic medical record company. They looked at a hundred million charts. And what they found was that the average medical visit, doctor visit was 16 minutes and 14 seconds. Hmm. So you got to approach a doctor's visit in a totally different way. You know, you have 16 minutes and 14 seconds. Don't talk about the weather. Don't talk about your dog. Don't talk about, you know, the football game or the baseball game. Okay. You need to go in there with uh, a synopsis of your medical history. What, uh, what surgeries you've had, what um, medical issues you have, what your family history is. Then you go in with a list of your medications, a list of your most recent labs, right? I waste so much time looking up labs that I could be talking to my patients, uh, a list of recent imaging procedures, right? Have the results, right? And then make a, a, a right type up a, a, a history. You know, my back is hurting. It started three weeks ago. I had a similar back pain three years ago and I needed an epidural. 
It started on the right side. Now it's on the left side also. It started, it was 10 out of 10. Now it's five out of 10. I took Advil and Motrin and, and Tylenol. I do um, some yoga and stretching. I use hot packs. I mean, just go on and on and on. Yeah. And then write down a list of questions. What are the questions that you want answered at the end of the visit? And if you hand that to the doctor, you'll get a big smile on the face of the doctor. And then like I have a dictaphone, so I dictate everything in. It takes me about three, four minutes to dictate, you know, what the pertinent positives are. I can leaf through things and see, you know, what's important to me, what's not important to me. And then, you know what? You got 13 minutes and 14 seconds for that doctor to really try to think about you and what's going on and how to treat you better. And then if they put you on, say they put you on a flexoral, you know, anti-muscle spasmodic, but they could talk to you about, okay, these are the side effects. Call me in a week. If it's not better, don't drink and take flex, you know, all the things that you really should know that the doctor really does know. But in 16 minutes and 14 seconds, they can't tell you all that stuff. Yeah. So you got to think of your relationship with your doctor as a partnership. How can I provide you with all the information you need in an efficient way so that we can work together to get me better? And I walk out of there having all my questions answered and all the information that I need. And you feel more confident too as a patient. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, the the 24 century, that is... 16 That's minutes and 14 seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and it's a hundred million charts and 155,000 doctors. Damn. So it's not a, it's not a, a small, it's not small, no. not, a, not a small sample size. You know, this is, no. this is what it is. And, you know, from the 20 years I've been practicing medicine, Medicare hasn't given us, given us a raise, right. but the medical inflation goes up about 4% a year. So you're basically losing about three or 4% every year. So what do you do? You see more patients, but at a certain point, and that's why I don't take insurance anymore. Three years ago, I just stopped taking insurance because I couldn't do the stuff that I do with my patients. If I, if I only had 16 minutes and 14 seconds, but what about, so my doctor here in LA uh, doesn't take insurance either. And I'm able to have a, a, and I, and I do this kind of thing only because I've my medical history and I've known, like, I don't, care about my doctor's life. He doesn't care about my life unless it's pertinent to the symptoms or the things that I've got going on. But is, does it, do you see the, do you see medicine going that route? And then what happens to the people that just can't afford to come to somebody like you pay out of pocket? Well, I mean, that's why I wrote the 21st century man, because it's my mission to help men. You know, I see men come into my office, they're 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they're really good people. You know, men have gotten really a bad rap. People mm-hmm. like Madoff and, and Weinstein and Epstein and all these dirt balls, uh, you know, have given men a bad rap. But the, the guys that I see that come into my office are really good guys. They take care of their families, they take care of their kids, they take care of their communities, their job, um, and they don't take care of themselves. You know, there's this ethos of like, oh, you know, I'm too tough. I'm too strong to take care of myself, you know, and guess what? You teach the people around you not to take care of you, not to do anything for you. And then when you need help, it's too late. You know, everyone's like, oh, you know, dad, he can take care of himself. Yeah, it's a habit that they built. So why aren't more men besides that? What are, what are the reasons, in your opinion, why guys aren't coming in and making appointments? 
Is it just well, I mean, a the, lack of self-care? The statistics or? is that men book half as many uh, primary care appointments as women. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of it's because stuff doesn't break down until it breaks down. So, I mean, if you drove your car, if you drove your car 70,000 miles, it probably would drive okay for 60, 70,000 miles. But then at that point, you know, yeah. you're sort of, it's hard to fix the problems that you've created. Yeah. But if you change the oil every five or 10,000 miles and, and change the tires and all that kind of stuff, you'd be a lot better off. So guys do that for their cars, but they don't do that for themselves. You know, I, uh, I saw something from Elon Musk that said, um, most people will freak out to try and like when their phone's about to die and they will freak out, drop everything to find a plug to get their phone plugged in. But when their dreams are about to die, they don't do anything about it. And then they don't even know sometimes the dreams are just dying around them. Mm-hmm. And then they're on this path that, that leads to about 3% fulfillment of their hundred percent allocated, you know, that they could tap into. And it's just, it's, it's very interesting. I talk to guys all the time about colonoscopies and I'm like, guys, listen, it's not that big a deal, but the problem is it's too late. It's too late when you have to go and you, and you have to get forced to get a colonoscopy because you're having issues or some kind of urology checkup because it's awkward or uncomfortable to go to a urologist. Yeah. Right. Life is awkward and uncomfortable, right? Right, right. I mean, right. let's just be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, I've saved so many guys' lives with uh, with prostate exams and PSAs and, and my colleagues in gastroenterology. I mean, I had my colonoscopy. It sucked. You know, the, yeah. the procedure wasn't bad, but the prep was just miserable. But, you know, I've, I know a lot of people that died of, of colon cancer. And I've taken care of so many men who died of, of um, you know, prostate cancer. And even, you know, I have a lot of South Asian men uh, and there's a huge incidence of cardiovascular disease in the Indian South Asian population. And I send so many of my patients who come in for erectile dysfunction for calcium scores for their heart. Hmm. And I've saved so many people's lives just by ordering a calcium score and showing them that all of a sudden, look, you have occult cardiovascular disease that you didn't know about. And guess what? For a quarter of a men, the first sign of cardiovascular disease is sudden death. Oh, you know, those are just statistics. Yeah. And that's a quarter though. That's a lot. A quarter. Yeah. A quarter. It's a lot. Yeah. One out of four, you know, (laughs) that guys respond to numbers and statistics. Yeah. You know, the, the chapter that we wrote on stupid things that men do to get themselves into the emergency room uh, <laughs> by Malcolm Johnson, who's an emergency room physician, right? 90% of eye injuries are preventable hmm. by wearing safety goggles. Simple, right? Simple enough. You know, I mean, do you really want to be the idiot that has a metal splinter in their eye because you were hacking away at something with your sawzall and you weren't wearing safety goggles? <laughs> And now you're, you know, you look like a pirate for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, our 50% of hand injuries are preventable uh, by wearing gloves. Yeah. I still remember when I was a kid, uh, there was a, a baseball pitcher for the Mets. I think his name was Jesse Orozco and he was doing the hedges and he cut his finger off <laughs> and that ended his, he was like a, 
you know, at those days you was making like a million or two a year, which, you know, these days probably be making 25 million a year. Uh, right. And he cut his finger off on the hedge, you know, or this Why time of year, I see, hedges? yeah, I see a lot of guys falling off ladders, trying to put up Christmas lights. You know, yeah. the thing is a lot of the, the, the stuff in this book is about the aging process. And I don't blame men for not understanding the aging process, because if you don't, if you don't see the big picture, like I have, I love putting up this graph, which shows the world record for the, the hundred yard freestyle swimming. And from 20 to 60, it's pretty flat. After 60, the, uh, the decline in times gets pretty significant. And after 80, you know, it really is steep. And yeah. so there are physiologic changes that men undergo. And it doesn't matter if you're a, an elite world-class athlete, you're going to undergo them. Between 40 and 70, men lose 0.8% of their muscle mass per year. And after 70, they lose 1.5% of their muscle mass per year. Jeez. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. So if you're not preparing yourself for that, you know, I see a lot of guys who are overweight and I explain to them, you know, the, the, the best day to, uh, we talk about it with smoking. The best day to stop smoking is the day you started. And the second best is today. You know, the right. best day to lose weight is the day you started overeating, but the second best is today. Yeah. And I get what's called a basal metabolic rate on my patients, which is how many calories you burn at rest. So you understand how many calories you're burning. And then you have to get an app like, like my fitness pal or some app that tells you how many calories you're, you're taking in. And that's the start of understanding weight loss. And you, you know, if you carry 50 extra pounds on yourself wow. every day, could you imagine wearing a 50 pound backpack all day, every day? I know people that have put a hundred on. Yeah. You'd be exhausted. Yeah. Of course and you'd so come home at the end of the day and you'd be exhausted. Right. But you have the ability to, to take that weight off. It just, it's knowledge and determination. Yeah. And the 21st and century system. man will give you knowledge, but you know, you have to be willing to, to battle your demons and dragons. Yeah. And some be people eat hero, like we talked about in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. You know, some people eat because they're bored. Some people eat because they're depressed or angry or whatever. Sure. You got to figure out why you're eating. Same thing with drinking, right? I get so many of my patients, I stopped drinking about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and uh, I was never a heavy drinker, but it just, it was sort of getting in the way of my lifestyle. And, and I talked to my yeah. patients about alcohol and there's a whole section in the book on addiction, tobacco, um, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, uh, internet addiction and pornography. But I, you know, I asked my patients, why do you drink? Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting when you ask someone, why, why do you drink alcohol? Because first of all, alcohol is a depressant, Yeah, right? That's the class of drug that it's in. Second of all, it disinhibits you, right? So most stupid decisions that humans make are done under the influence of alcohol, whether it's driving or, um, you know, hooking up with the wrong person or domestic abuse, so many of our bad behaviors are related to alcohol, even though 
you know, there are all these wonderful advertisements on TV and, and radio that alcohol is great. And everyone thinks that, you know, red wine is going to save their life. But yeah. I mean, get real. Uh, and then the third that's, thing, that's, is, that's a very blended, that's a very blended agenda from polyphenol and grape to red wine will save your life. It's a very, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, let's, let's be real. Who's sponsoring those studies? Right. It's like the milk. It's like the, the uh, dairy industry sponsoring in the fifties uh, about milk and calcium and protein. It's a total agenda. It yeah, is. Of course. I mean, and yes. then uh, you can burn out. Well, what do those people say? What do those people say, by the way, it is I'm guessing that the answer is, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, it's a habit. When I stopped drinking, you know, we just replaced it with diet Coke, which, you know, may not be any better than alcohol, but right. it was certainly right. easier to transition from that to, you know, lemon water or whatever we are drinking now. But, but the thing is, if you're overweight, then it's stupid to drink alcohol because it's just empty calories and the calories that right. you're taking in need to be protein. They need to be fiber. They need to be healthy fats. They shouldn't be alcohol. That's going to make you sad and stupid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's a mindfulness about the decisions that you're making in. And if you're the hero of your own journey, are you going to be making those type of um, thoughtless decisions? You know, when well, you're think about this, uh huh. what about the, what about the, you know, I think about being a, a model of a man on purpose and my daughter's sixth birthday was yesterday. And I, and I wrote this thing on Facebook, like, the day she was born is the day I said, I'm not good enough to be your dad. I am not the right model for you. I'm not the right model of a husband. And I set out on a course and subsequently built these businesses around that to help other men. But I think about if you're overweight, you're pounding alcohol. Like, what are your kids watching? What are they thinking? One, you don't have the energy to play with them, hang out with them. You're pounding alcohol. So they're watching that habit and thinking it's completely okay. But what kind of model are you? And I'm not saying it's a bad model. It's whatever serves you best. But I'm saying, what are, you, what are your kids getting from that? You know? And for most I, I guys, agree. for guys listening, this, this, might be the, this might be what they needed to hear. Shifting, changing, you know, making those transitions from how I used to do it to how I'm going to do it now, that is tough as hell. And it only comes with one choice. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not going to do that today. That's AA's theory. One day at a time. That's it. It's nice and easy. Yeah. It's absolutely. just a choice. I mean, um, when I was growing up, you know, you could get a fake ID just by like, I remember on my New York license, I just like used a pencil and wrote over the, <laughs> the year. I made the 67 yeah. into a 63 and said, oh yeah. But you know, these days it's hard to get a fake ID. And I asked my kids, you know, how do kids get alcohol these days? And they said, well, they just steal it from their parents. It's fair. Right. Yeah. So, you know, we yeah. don't have any alcohol in our house. And so my kids, you know, knock on wood, as best I can tell, they're not drinking any alcohol. Um, sure. And, and it, I think a good part of it is because my wife and I have been an example. Yeah. And uh, believe me, I got my, more than my fair share of problems. I'm, I'm the last person on the <laughs> earth to say that I'm perfect. Uh, I'm just, right. I do the best I can. Uh, I, I wake up every morning and try to do the best I can. And, um, you know, I think that's all, that's all we can hope that people do. And the purpose of the 21st century man is to inform people, to educate men on how to make 
the right decisions, but I don't tell people what to do. You know, even in my own practice, you know, when, when people look at me and, and ask me like, Oh, what should I do? I, I don't tell people what to do. I provide them with really high level information. And I really respect men's intelligence. Maybe that's because I live in an area where, you know, we're close to Apple and Google and Facebook and Oracle and Lawrence Livermore lab. So I have a lot of really intelligent patients. So I'm, sure. I'm in the habit of explaining things to patients, but you know, I have a lot of respect for men's intelligence. And if you, if you explain to them, like, listen, 90% of eye injuries are preventable by putting safety goggles on, you know, guys will think next time before they start hacking stuff uh, up with their Sawzall, like, let me put some right. eye protection on. Cause I don't want to be that idiot that right. uh, rolls enough. into the emergency room with, you know, one eye sticking out. Yeah. So let me ask you something. Why, why do you feel like men aren't reaching their fullest potential or living into their, their, their most fulfilling life? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. And, and the sad thing is a hundred years ago, women lived one year longer than men. And now women live five years longer than men. So what happened in a hundred years that women now live four years longer than we do. Uh, and men live less long, even before COVID, men live less long than we were living 10, 15 years ago because of high rates of alcoholism, suicide, and opioid abuse. Just a readily available prescription drugs. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's um, especially less educated men uh, are, are looking at the future and they're not seeing uh, what their expectations for life were or are, and yeah. they're, they're depressed, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, no one gives you anything. No. You got to get your, get off your ass, re-educate yourself, motivate yourself. I mean, it's, um, you know, in life, people don't give stuff to you. I, I, I could have, when I got fired, I could have sat there and, and felt sorry for myself and, and, you know, thank God my wife was supportive of me and my kids were supportive of me. Um, and, and I just started working, but that's, you know, just cause you got fired in the factory doesn't mean your life's over. Let me ask you something. Did you share with your kids what had happened to you and make them a part of the pro not, not a part of like the negative process, but a part of the process that you were going through so they could learn kind of watch you. Did that, did that, did you do that one? And two, did that help you in the decisions you made every day? To keep yeah, I think it, I think when my kids look back, I think that's probably one of the best thing, experiences that they've ever, yeah. that they'll, they'll look back on and the best learning experiences. Um, you know, they had a very comfortable life. We would travel, we, you know, we, sure. money wasn't an issue. You know, we weren't flying around on Learjets, but you know, we were, right. we were certainly comfortable and, and they faced a prospect that, you know, like money stopped coming in. And my, my middle daughter, who's really like a, you know, a talented reader and, and she worked for the, our attorney, you know, at the age of 16. And, uh, you cool. know, my kids watched all of a sudden a lot of TV and they, they saw mom and dad struggling through the lawsuits, struggling to start our supplement company. They, they, um, we have a supplement company called the firm science that makes a nitric oxide boosting supplement, a testosterone boosting supplement. And, nice. you know, they fill orders for us and, and helped us with marketing and helped us with emails. Um, 
I love that. You know, they, they, they experienced the, yeah. I mean, they experienced the, the pain and they saw me and my wife by proxy get knocked down and fight our way back up. So that's, that's another, that's something that, I, that, that comes up for me is, uh, you know, you worked so hard to provide this life and this lifestyle they, they were living, right? And then they saw you guys get knocked down and pick yourselves back up and they kind of joined the fight with you. How, how do you think that they would understand struggle if you had just kind of sailed along? Do you think their lives would be different if you hadn't have had run into that? Yeah. I mean, we're not the kind of parents, especially my wife, uh, is not the kind of mother that lets kids sit on their ass and and not do much. And so, you know, like all our kids are straight A students and they all, you know, have extracurriculars that they excel at. Um, But still, you know, I did that same thing and it wasn't really till 50 that I had to, that I was forced into reshaping myself. And so, yeah, I mean, um, most people at some point in their life either once or twice or three times, whether it's a divorce or a death or being fired or some sort of accident or personal tragedy, we'll have to deal with that. And it's how you deal with that. That really makes the, that's your defining moments in life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you say it and put it like that. Those are your defining moments and sharing with somebody what you're experiencing. And we always say in our, in our masterminds, in our group, in our community, Like your responsibility is to bandage your wound. Then you can bring that to the group and get help because you'll be talking about what happened from a past tense, not bleeding all over the group with your emotional registration and all kinds of craziness and which the group doesn't benefit, but sharing something like, Hey, this is what I went through with my wife or with my children, with my boss or my old job, sharing that with your children, I think is phenomenal because unless you're a guy that wants to be some kind of Superman and look impervious to your children, there's no way that they could possibly learn the lessons that they need to from you. They're not learning Mm -hmm. as much as they could. You got to share with them what you're going through. I think one of the coolest things that my daughter who just turned six yesterday says to me is I like that. You tell me you're scared sometimes because then it makes it okay for me to feel scared. And then what I told her was, well, I, I feel scared a lot. I mean, we run businesses and you know, we're, we're or away from our families on the East coast. And, and what I say to myself is even though I'm scared, I know I can do this. And I'm going to go for it. You know, right? and then I lock that in and I affirm that. So she does the same thing. That may be one of the greatest life's lessons for her ever. But because I shared that she goes, dad, do you ever get scared? And I said, of course, every day I get scared. I get scared about our businesses. Sometimes I get worried about you. I get worried about your brother. I get worried about your mom. Like I get worried about a lot of stuff. And here's how I get through it. That could be invaluable to her for her life. Yeah. No, I mean, there, that, that's, that's yeah. great. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're better than, uh, than I am. I mean, my wife really was the one that, that dragged it in front of the kids, uh, you know, cause for me, it felt like a failure. It felt like sure. a, uh, you know, a disappointment that, you know, I wasn't the sort of the breadwinner and the, the surgeon and, you know, I've done all sorts. Of, I helped build surgical robotics and I, you know, I did all these cool things. Uh, and I wasn't that person anymore. Yeah. I wasn't that superhero anymore. And I, I kind of wanted to, for lack of a better term, just sort of hide that from the kids. And my wife just wouldn't let me do that. And, you know, it certainly will 
benefit the kids uh, tremendously. But isn't that most men? Aren't most men trying to hide the softer side, the softer parts, and guard those parts that, that make them feel vulnerable or emotional? I mean, that's, that's like the, the guy's MO, you know, unfortunately. Of course. That of our course. missions are to break that habit and break that cycle of guys who are just trying to be tough, put on the strong face, tough it up, suck it up, get out there and play anyway. But guys have feelings. Guys get emotional. Guys get hurt. And you have to explain that stuff. So I went through a, a business failure in 2019 when a partner had, had walked off with a, a lot of money. And my, my daughter was, what, four years old? She understood what was going on. She totally knew what was going on. She knew that mom and dad weren't happy sometimes. Oh, she was three and a half. And so I would sit down and I would just say, hey, so this is what happened. I wouldn't go into the details, but right. I knew that sharing, sharing with her that I was a human and that I'm not impervious to pain or fear or anything like that. I think that's what I wanted from my parents who just didn't have the, the understanding and education on how to do that with mm -hmm. their own selves, more or less explain it to a child. Right. I don't know if yeah. that messes her up or I don't know if that benefits her. I'm pretty sure it benefits her, but yeah, I think so, you know, but absolutely. I, that, well, I mean, the, that's the thing about the, the 21st century man book is it's filled with like all of the, in a very sort of empathetic way, you know, like 40% of men are obese and 50% of men on have high blood pressure and 15% of men smoke and 12% of men uh, don't have health insurance. And most people don't understand anything about health insurance. Our, our health insurance yeah. system in this country is just a mess, but yeah. there's an amazing chapter in the book written by a health insurance executive that explains health insurance to you. Uh, in an and so, way? yeah, in a, it's, it's, um, uh, another one of my, my uh, patients was uh, the number two guy at Anthro Blue Cross for a long time. And he read it. And he said, this is by far and away the best health insurance chapter I've ever read in my entire life. Nice. nice. Uh, and so, you know, I mean, a lot of us have to choose health insurance either for our family or our employees. And if you don't know what the difference between an HMO and a PPO and an EPO, I mean, I, I have guys with PhDs in my office and I say, do you have an HMO or a PPO? Because, you know, if it's an HMO, I can't order labs for you. If, or if it's a PPO, I can do that. And they're like, I don't know. How do I find yeah. out? You know, you got a PhD in physics, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't figure out if you got an HMO or a PPO. But I mean, that's, you know, our, our, it, that's just the reality of health insurance in this country. But if sure. you don't have to be ashamed that you don't know, just pick up the book and read the health insurance chapter because the book is written for men, right? It's not one of those... Yeah. 900 page books that really could only be 15 pages worth of information. It's 900 pages. And that's the least I guarantee you, because I either wrote or edited every single one of those pages. And this book could not be less than 900 pages. Every word in the book like counts. The in book that's is awesome. so information dense. It's 101 chapters. So each chapter like I wrote the prostate chapter. It's like eight or nine pages. They're textbooks yep. for the prostate. Right. And I condensed everything that I know about the prostate down into eight or nine pages, you know, so they're, they're That's well so worth cool. reading. This is like, it's, it's cliff notes almost without yeah. it being cliff notes. It's exactly. Like but you know, it's also funny, right? Cause uh, you I'm know, excited. I'm 54 years old. So like I have quotes on all like the cocaine chapter, 
There's a quote from Robin Williams, cocaine's God's way of telling you you have too much money. <laughs> or the, you know, the orgasm chapter is uh, a quote from Woody Allen. I want to live my life backwards, start off dead and end up as an orgasm. That's funny, man. <laughs> I like this. I'm excited to read it. I'm really excited to read it. So let's wrap up with this. What are some action step that, steps that guys can take? Like right now, guys yeah, obese, uh, I guys think drinking that, too much, that, guys the, not getting erections. What can you do? Yeah. So, you know, if you have erectile dysfunction, you know, erectile dysfunction for most men is an issue with circulation. 90% of men, it's an issue with circulation. Okay. So what are the things you can do to improve circulation? First of all, exercise. Second of all, eat better. Third of all, take a nitric oxide booster, right? Nitric oxide boosters improve circulation, improve blood pressure. I have a nitric oxide booster called Affirm from Affirm Science, but it's a super simple thing to do. You lose nighttime erections, take a nitric oxide booster before you go to sleep, right? A lot of elite endurance athletes take nitric oxide boosters and improves blood flow to the brain. Okay. Um, you know, PDE5 inhibitors like Viagra and Cialis, they work great. And there are really no long-term side effects from it. And I have a lot of my patients taking them. If you're not getting nighttime erections and you're taking a nitric oxide boost and you're still not getting nighttime erections, take a PDE5 inhibitor before you go to sleep. Like Get good nighttime dose? erections. Yeah, take a low oh, dose, like a low dose of Cialis, low dose of Viagra. Yeah. You know, I put a ton of my guys on low dose uh, Tadalafil, which is Cialis. It's a dollar a yeah. pill, less than yeah. a cup of coffee. What? Yeah. Which is, which is now we know is the precursor to heart disease. So we, we want those erections in the morning. Exactly. Exactly. Huh. A lot of guys, you know, if when stuff doesn't make sense to me, I test, right? Yeah. So when a, a guy comes in and they have a family history of heart disease, or they're too young to be complaining of erectile dysfunction, go get a calcium score. It's a yeah. couple hundred bucks. It's a CAT scan. It takes one minute. It's minimal radiation. And guess what? It gives you an idea of whether you have occult cardiovascular disease. You don't want to be that one quarter of guys where you drop dead. Yeah. Right. I mean, so this um, is any age though, right? This isn't like if you were over 50, do this. This is if you're 22 and you're having some, you're experiencing some issues. Yeah. 22 is no, a little, it's not that young. 22. Yeah. 22 is a little bit different. Um, yeah. This book really, I say, 35. is for men 35 and older. Okay. You know, the, the, the machinery is, is working pretty well. You know, yeah. it's like your car. You can drive your car 20, 25,000 miles and, and it'd be fine. Um, right. But if you, if, you, if you don't take care of it at all, you're going to have a lot of damage under the hood at the age of 35 or 40 that's going to be hard to fix. And yeah, uh, unlike cars part. where you can swap out parts, you know, human beings, you can't swap out parts. Right. Right. Um, last question. What do you do to, for your own growth? I know a lot of the guys out there love hearing this from guests on the show. What, what do you do for personal growth development? What are you reading? Obviously you listen to my podcast all the time. We know that for of a fact. Course. <laughs> what do you, what um, do you, you know, honestly, to, to the, the, you? The, the past three years I've been totally consumed with building, uh, my practice, doing clinical yeah. research, building my supplement company and, and writing, I've been up till two o'clock every night, uh, writing yeah. this book. And so, but uh, I know working more out, you're about, meditating. Yeah. You know what? So what okay. I do is uh, two days of elliptical, two days of, um, 
exercise bike and two days of circuit training. Got it. And then I use uh, my M-Sculpt machine, which is okay. um, uh, the most amazing muscle building machine ever created. I can build muscle 10 to 15 times faster than you can do in the gym using the M-Sculpt. Is, is that what looks like giant paddles and they get strapped exactly. onto you? Exactly. Okay. Every Hollywood movie star that you see that has six pack abs is M sculpt. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I saw, I saw the machine um, actually at a, at a place in Baltimore and I, I they were doing a, a demonstration on somebody's ass. And I was like, wow, that is quite interesting. Okay. I'll That's tell you a like, funny story. Like, I'll tell was, you a funny story. Was, you know, so I got the, I got the machine. Right. And, uh, and I got it for the, the abs and I was doing abs and it, you know, it's great because I have a, a, a lousy back. And so uh, core strength is really critical for yeah. uh, lower back issues. Uh, and then I got the arm paddles and I put an inch on my biceps and triceps in a month. What? Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, amazing. And it correlates to it's strength. Real. It's too. real. It's yeah, real yeah. muscle. I mean, it's yeah, not. Yeah, it's real muscle because I have a, a body like just... composition analysis machine. So I can tell exactly how much muscle I'm putting on. Right. How long so, does it take? 10 minutes? Uh, half an hour per body part. Got it. Okay. And about, I usually do about six weeks on patients and, and I'm getting, getting amazing results. So, okay. So I've been married to my wife for over 20 years. So my wife looks at me yeah. and I'm like, you know, I might as well be a cardboard cutout. Right. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll get there. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, so, but, um, uh, I started doing, uh, my glutes. Yeah. Right. Cause I, my, done my arms, I'd done my abs. I'm like, well, let me check out, let me see how the glutes work. So I'd done glutes like three or four treatments and uh, I was walking in my, uh, in the, our bedroom in my underwear and my wife turns and looked at me, looked away and then looked back at me. Nice. So I got the first double, double take, take in about 10 double years. Take. I love I that. Like, Man. <laughs> <laughs> this M's gold machine's working well for me. Where do you have that in your practice or your house? Uh, my practice. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So wait, do you, so if you do, I don't want to get down this rabbit hole, but if you do 15 yeah. minutes or 30 minutes on your arms and, and you do that over the course of a couple of weeks, do you have to maintain that or does it kind of maintain itself for a while? And then you know, uh, for, for whatever reason, it, it lasts longer than yeah. the workouts that you would do in the gym. Um, Cause Got I it. think it, it, you, you remodel the muscle in a more complete way. Hmm. Um, but you do, I mean, you do do maintenance. So I did like triceps yesterday and you know, my triceps are really like they're bulging today. It's amazing. That's awesome, man. So it's, it. it's, it's my, uh, you know, like I, I love efficiency. I love sort of high tech stuff. And you know, yeah. I, I, when I got the machine, it's because uh, I got four kids, I got a wife, I got three companies and I just didn't have the time to put in sure. the gym. I mean, I, I love working out, but I just don't have the time. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Well, this has been a pleasure. I've had fun with you. We've learned a lot of stuff. And I think we should, we should do another one of these and go deeper. Like I'll do a poll of the audience and we'll go deeper into some topics that guys are really looking at. Oh, you got to talk about sex. Okay. It's really yeah. fun. You yeah, know, for it, sure. it's, uh, I'm going to have you, it, I'm going to get you rebooked. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, we, we have a really, really good time talking about sex, like in a real way. Uh, I'm writing it down right now. All right. We can talk about sex um, and building muscle for men over 50. That's right. For men over 50. That's perfect. All right, my friend. This has been great. Great meeting you. Awesome. Thanks for great being here. You. Really appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. Audience, easy. I hope you appreciated this uh, 
a plethora of information today. If you want more information, you can check it out on the, uh, on the website, mentalpurposepodcast.com. It'll be on the show notes. Um, all the Dr. Judson's website and all the stuff to find the 21st century man book. It's all going to be there. So thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.